episode 1085, Kooky Cupid, I'll be watching you. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. And I am Ben DiBono, and we're here for the first ever Kooky Cupid. So we've done Kooky Christmas, of course. Kooky Christmas in July. Yes. And now Kooky Cupid. Yes. And, and I, I'm still trying to get you to do... I, I think I may be kind of into the, the Kooky-themed episodes, so I'm trying to get you to do one for every season. You know, of course, well, next month, we've got St. Patrick's Day. Uh, well, you know, last year, we originally talked about the Christmas in July one being for Kooky Cupid, and I didn't finish it on time. Right, right. So that that was... Uh, it was it was almost last year, but here we are this year. My birthday, uh, <laughs> listeners may know this, but my birthday happens to fall on Cinco de Mayo. Well, that's exciting. So would you be interested in doing a Cookie de Mayo? Oh, maybe, maybe. Okay, just trying to think of all the months. So we'll, we'll get back to you. But yes, I love Cookie Christmas and the subsequent seasons. Yeah, no, it, it's. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm I'm dying here. I'm, I was just yelling on the extra feed, so <laughs> I lost my voice a little bit. Uh, which, if you're not on the extra feed, patreon.com slash the sci-fi Christian, and you say, what what was Ben yelling about? Well, it was good. It was good. It, well, it could change your life. It's, you've been getting really heated these days, but not in a bad way, but definitely heated. Yeah, no, I like I said at the end of that episode, and this is this is not a new phrase. I've used this phrase for years, but never on the air, I don't think. I'm I'm not calming down. I'm calming up. I like that phrase. It's a great phrase. Like, cause have you ever, has it ever been effective if somebody tells someone else to calm down? No, that that's like the least effective thing you can ever do. So I don't calm down. I calm up. Right. You know, sometimes you got to calm up. But today we're not calming up. Um, what we are exploring is telepathy. Right. We covered it here on the show before. We have a little bit, uh, but not in this way. And. I'm going to say from the outset, because, you know, sometimes Cookie Christmas, I always like to play along. Yeah. Right. But sometimes I'm playing along more than others. Like, like sometimes you're pretending you're really into the conspiracy. You don't actually believe it. Right. But, I mean, I'm, I'm always genuine in that I would love for it to be true. Yeah. You know, I'd love for it to be true. Like the fake animals one. I would love for that to be true. I don't, I don't actually think the animals are fake. But if it turns out that, you know, I don't know, Biden got on, did a presidential address tonight. He's like, look. Bears are fake, actually. I'm, af- I'm afraid to say that it's been fake the whole time. Every zoo is a, a guy in a suit, and and here's the evidence. I I'd be delighted. I'd even vote for him. Yeah. You know, it'd be just it, w- it would be a fantastic. It would make my day. But I don't actually believe that. Um, but this one I do believe. I actually do believe in telepathy and psychic phenomena. Uh, what exactly does that mean? I don't know. So I'm going to say I believe in. The broad category. Like there's something happening. Yeah. But you wouldn't be able to actually define what is happening. Well, I've experienced it. And that's Mm -hmm. some of what we've talked about before. So if you've heard the episodes in question, you know what we're talking about. If not, we'll we'll catch you up. But like I've experienced things that I think I can only describe as psychic phenomena. This is so great because if they're not on the Patreon feed, it's like – if you're not on Patreon and you've thought that Ben thought highly of himself before, <laughs> wait till you find out he thinks he can <laughs> read people's minds. Well, it's not reading your mind. I, I know, it's I not, know, I like know. there's a, and that's the, the broad tent. So it's like when I say I believe in in telepathy and psychic phenomena, uh, what I mean by that is not that I believe in everything that would have those labels, and certainly not in everything that is said to be one of those. So there's obviously a lot of nonsense out there, you know. So this isn't a 
disagreement about nonsense, but it's like, you know, if I say, for example, I don't believe Narnia literally exists, that doesn't mean I'm doubting the existence of wardrobes. You know, it's like, okay, you can believe in it just, just because there's fiction out there or nonsense or people make up lies sometimes doesn't rule out the entire concept of location. You know, there are locations. It just happens that Narnia is not literally one of them. You know, so same thing with psychic phenomena. There are psychic phenomena. That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, I'm going to start levitating Matt halfway through this episode. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty wild. Yes, you that know, would be actually if you could fake it halfway through the episode, like you're floating. <laughs> right. There you go. No, but but like so the the stories that I've um, shared in the past, you know, the one that really stands out to me um, is is the time when I was in college and I know I've shared this story. So some of you, this is familiar, but I was in college. I was sitting because I, I lived at home. I was sitting at the breakfast table and the phone rang and I thought to myself, that's my English professor. And never before or since had any professor for any reason ever called me. So there was no reason for you to think <clears throat> it was going to be this professor, but for There's some not. reason it hit your mind. It hit my mind. I remember my mom answered the phone. It was for me, and it was my it was the exact person I was thinking about. He was traveling in Iowa. This was you know in the early two thousands, so he didn't have you know a smartphone like we have now. So he'd forgotten his syllabus and wanted to know what the assignment was hmm. for that for whatever the class was. And so I I like that one because I have other ones that I've I've mentioned in the past, but you can always kind of wiggle out of them a little bit like i have you know one profound experience of you know that stands out to me of of needing to pray for somebody it's like well that was the holy spirit okay you know i'm, I'm not disputing that i'm not disputing that in the slightest but it's like holy spirit not telepathy well maybe it was the holy spirit using telepathy but be that as it may um this one stands out because there's no reason for it like there's no god wasn't like answer the phone no mom answered the phone you know mom was answering the phone no matter what Uh, nobody died nothing was at stake he doesn't get a hold of me probably calls another student or worst case scenario goes on his trip in iowa and doesn't have the assignment life goes on like there's no stakes there's no reason this happens Mm -hmm. but it happened uh it it happened and, and you can take my word for it uh, so all of that is to say that, you know, I, I, this was 20 years ago now, um, and I've had more minor experiences than I mean, that. I know you, I don't want to say your thunder, but are you going to talk about the radio at all? Yeah, well, yeah, we can talk about, like, I, I used to, when I listened to the radio, I'd, I'd oftentimes know what the next song was that was going to come on. I feel like when you've told it, it's to a greater degree than what a lot of us experience. I, even I, just in the last couple of weeks, my daughter and I were talking about a uh, a song yeah so we turned the radio on it didn't come on right away but the, when we turned the radio on the djs were talking to each other next song is the song we want it was that kind of thing it was like i feel like that type of thing happens to listeners i'm talking about to our listeners yeah. probably often but for whatever reason that music one like you think of a song you turn the radio it's on that tends i i've heard it from multiple people that happens a lot right yeah, i think so it does that's like a low-grade telepathy that you're describing today it, right it could be i mean i've heard people say well Radio stations play the same songs over and over over again, so fair enough. Obviously, there's a degree of luck involved. My my recollection of this, because I don't listen to the radio 
ever anymore. Um, so this is again, 20 years ago, uh, is that it happened often enough where it freaked me out. Right. So make of that as you will. I'm not, I'm not claiming like I am claiming that the phone thing, something is going on there that is not explicable. And that is the only quote unquote natural. And I'll explain in a minute why I'm putting natural in heavy air quotes explanation for that is that it was random chance. Okay, maybe, but I've never before or since had the thought my professor's calling me, and then it wasn't. I, it, like, to me, it, it, it may or may not be convincing to you listening to it. To me, having lived it, I'm 100% convinced you could not sway me that something didn't happen there. Okay, so... Uh, I'm a believer by my experience. So then I was listening actually in preparation for the uh, Lost Civilization Atlantis episode that we did for Kooky Christmas. I was listening to Graham Hancock on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he he mentioned this book by this guy I'd never heard of called uh, – I don't get his name right. I've read the book, but I, you know you don't look at the cover <laughs> – Rupert Sheldrake. And it's called The Sense of Being Stared At and Other Unexplained Powers of Human Minds. Uh, it's a good book. I will say it's it's fairly dry reading, so it's a little hard to recommend for, for just that perspective. But his argument in here is that telepathy, psychic powers, all of that exist, but they're not supernatural. They're a natural part of what it of living in the physical world you know and his argument is that because we can't explain them easily in the same way that well i can explain that this table exists i'm knocking on it it's like this indisputable fact but there's a lot of things like the more we're learning about our universe we're, we're learning we live in a very strange universe where you know the whole sub concept of quantum physics and everything and i'm not saying that's what what's going on telepathy but just think about that whole concept and try and explain that to a scientist from a few hundred years ago it's like we we have this very when we talk about science we tend to instead of seeing that as a mode of inquiry into reality which is what it should be we tend to establish these parameters for what is and is not possible. And we go in with these preconceived notions of what is and is not possible. And then anything that falls outside of that is coincidence or it's made up or anything like that. So what, what, what Sheldrake has done in his research has been to try and uh, test this and actually do some scientific experiments around uh, telepathic uh, experience and, and try and prove, is there something going on there? And his results are very, very, very fascinating because they're not 100% hit rate by any means. Like, for example, he'll, he has a, a, a test that he does where there'll be two people, you know, one a starer and then one a stare-e. So you're sitting on, you're in a chair, 
and you're blindfolded or whatever. So there's no chance that you're getting anything with your peripheral vision. And then the person who's the starer has, they're either flipping a coin or something. And based on the results, random results, you know, heads you stare, tails you don't. And so they're either staring or not staring and it's random. And the person who is guessing has to guess, are they staring or not? So you'd expect a 50% hit rate, Mm -hmm. right? Just out of chance, you know, if we were doing that. And what he found is that consistently across thousands of such instances, it was about a 55% hit rate. Okay, so not lights out. But when you're talking about enough data, that becomes significant. Like if we just did this now. You know, right, right. Okay, I'm closing my eyes. Yeah. Right now. I'm serious. Go ahead. Should I try it? Uh, no, no, no. Because like, I want to make a general point. Okay. Uh, you know, if we were to do this now, you know, it's possible that we could wind up with a 10% hit rate or a 20%. Okay, I, I, I'm ready for you, but you can probably pick it up based on the, the tone of my voice. Wait, so listeners, I'm turning away from Ben and closing my eyes. There's no reason for me to cheat. We're live on the air. Okay. So, Ben, what, how are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to look down yeah, look down. like this, okay. and then I'm going to mentally count to five, and then I will either stay down. Oh, no. Don't, don't tell me the number you're counting to. Okay. Just, just uh, We're going to be quiet for a second, listeners, and I'm going to look away, and Ben, at some point... Either either stare or not stare, right? Okay. So I have to tell you if you are staring or not staring. I mean, you obviously are going to be staring. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, let's do it. Ready? We'll be back, listeners. Don't worry. Okay. We're still recording. I think you're staring, right? Yeah, I was staring. Did you, when I raised my hand, did you? Yeah, I, I saw it. But did you see me raise it right when you started staring? No. I was trying to do it kind of like a hearing test. No. Where you were, no, I didn't. I was staring. The I don't know day. if that was effective. That might not have been scientific. So, right. So obviously this is not lab grade conditions. But let's just say that we had, you know, his controls and everything here. And let's say we did this 100 times. Oh, and let's say that, that you know, we had a 70% hit rate between us. Ooh, wow. That's No, it's not. Like 100 is not a lot to be suggestive. But if you do this with different people over enough times, even a small statistical anomaly is a statistical anomaly. You know, and so he goes through all of that and uh, and documents what, what that looks like. One of the things that he mentions, too, because he has another book uh, about pets. He's done a lot of work into pets in the sense of them being able to sense their owners coming home. So he, he writes this, and he's referencing another book, but I found this very suggestive. In Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, that's the n- name of his book, I describe an experiment in which dogs were shut up in an outbuilding and videotaped continuously. At randomly chosen times, their owner, who was inside her house, silently thought about taking them for walks for five minutes before actually doing so. In most of these tests, during this five-minute period, the dog went to the door and sat or stood in a semicircle around it, some with their tails wagging. They remained in this state of obvious anticipation until their owner came to take them for their walk. Wow. They did not wait by the door in this way at any other times. That's nice. Yeah, That's so very cool. It, it is cool. So it's like, well, what's going on there? You know, what, how do you explain that? And this is the problem with science. And by science, I mean the science industrial con- uh, complex, not the, uh, the actual meaning of science. But it's like the problem with science is that it starts out saying that's impossible. 
So we're only going to look at ways where this doesn't exist. I remember Mythbusters. Did you ever watch Mythbusters? I've seen it occasionally, but I don't watch it regularly. I remember there was an episode that just made me so angry because they were testing um, whether or not plants... I'm trying to remember the exact exact test, but it was like, will plants grow better if you're thinking kind thoughts about them? Okay. And so they did this test and they set it up and they wound up proving that they did. All right. But then they concluded that that couldn't possibly be true. And so the episode wa- wrapped up with some nonsense explanation around it. It's like, well, wait a second, guys. You just showed something interesting. But because science doesn't allow you to believe it, you ruled it out. You ruled it out. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. You know, so the the section of the book, though, that I do want to spend maybe the most time on here is his... Uh, and. For obvious reasons, this is where um, it, it grabbed my attention the most. And I'm just going to get my quotes here. And this is the one you, I think you gave a tease of this on in the Patreon feed, right? Is yeah. this where you talked about what your own practicing? Or Oh, yeah. Sorry, the, so, so what I was doing in church was while we're kneeling after receiving the Eucharist, I was staring at the back of people in front of me. And total see, total random see people. If I, yeah, total random people, see if I could get them to twitch or turn around. And I, I found myself fairly successful. Yeah, like what percent would you say? I, I You know, I don't know, like 50%. All right, there it is. You know, but <laughs> I don't know. It's totally not scientific, but it was fun. I've been meaning to try that church as well, but, but I haven't yet. But like, just think about your, so, so forget what you know is possible. Like, you've experienced this, right? You've experienced people staring at you. Mm-hmm. You've experienced the feeling of, whoa, somebody's looking at me and turn around, they are. Everybody's experienced this. I experience this all the time. You know, it's not an uncommon thing, and that's part of his point. Like, one of the interesting things in the book is he gets into, like, talking to scientists and, is this possible? Oh, no, it's not possible. And then you get into, like, their own anecdotal lives, and everybody has these experiences, Everybody has stuff like this. Everybody has has things where it's like, you know it's not possible because you're not allowed to think it's possible. But in terms of how you practically live your life, you live your life as though telepathy is real. That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, people are, are shooting fireballs out of their eyes and you have levitating beds all over the place. That's not what we're talking about. But, like, think about that hit rate, 55%. Okay, let's just say that's true. What does that tell you? That tells you it's not as though everybody's this super telepath and you just have to believe in yourself and you can read minds. That's not proven. What it does tell you is that there's this low level. There's this low level there that we're not good at tapping into, but exists. It's there. It's present. It's hard to prove. It's hard to get at. It's hard to say what are the conditions where this would exist or not exist. Different people seem to have different sensitivity to it, but it's there. Okay, so the chapter that that I want to spend the most time on here is chapter 12, Telephone Telepathy, which for obvious reasons grabbed my attention because this is what drove me there. Instantly, it's like, okay, because this is what I experienced. He says, ironically, the very intention of calling someone at a distance by telephone creates favorable conditions for telepathy. The callers think about the people they want to call, maybe look up their numbers and dial them. All this time, they are focusing their attention on the people they want to call, and their rational minds do not interfere with this focusing because technology has made it possible. 
So let's say that in telepathy, and again, it's not perfect, it's low level, it's hit or miss, it's all of that. But let's say that focusing on somebody gets their attention. But you shut that down because you know it's not possible, right? Except if you're calling somebody, you know it is possible because you're soon going to be in touch with them. Like technology just breaks the barrier. Okay, so he says... My colleague, Pam Smart, and I conducted hundreds of trials using this method. If the subjects had no telepathic abilities and were just guessing with four potential callers, so the method they're talking about is, you know, one of four people is going to call you, they'll be selected at random, you're in your little booth with your phone, you have to guess who's going to call you, and then you pick up and see if you're right. They would be right roughly 25% of the time. Some subjects did indeed score at the chance level, but others scored well above chance. In our initial series of tests with 63 different subjects and a total of 570 trials, the average hit rate was 40%, very significantly above chance level of 25%. Okay, so that's not tons of data, but that's interesting. The other thing I want to hit on that he's going to come back to in a second is that some people are at chance and some people are way above it. Many of our tests were carried out with Sue Hawksley, who lived in Wakefield, Yorkshire, England. In 185 film trials, she was right 87 times, 47%. The odds against this result being obtained by chance were more than 100 million to one. She was much more successful with some people than with others, and with one close friend, she was right 75% of the time. On a come back to the quote I was reading, but jump ahead just a little bit, because he says this, with familiar callers, the hit rate was more than 50%, highly significant. With strangers, it was near the chance level, in agreement with the observation that telepathy typically takes place between people who share emotional or social bonds. So you're 40%, but that's not the whole story. Like, you start to bring in factors of, is it somebody you're familiar with who's calling you? You're more likely to, to be right about that then you are just a complete stranger, you know, in, in these trials. You know, this reminds me of when you start maybe thinking about somebody you haven't thought about for a while, and then maybe later that day, yep. you get an email or a, a text message from it's, them. It's exactly it's what like he's It's like they they've been thinking about contacting you, so then you get triggered. And, and that's so. that happens and not in an uncommon amount. Like, that, that happens mm-hmm. regularly, not every day and not every time, but that's not unusual, right? We've experienced that. So then going on, several subjects, including Sue, commented that they felt more confident about their guesses at some times than at others. This is where it gets really interesting. So Sue's good at it. We have that. People she's familiar with, she's really good at it. But then you add in confidence. In order to test this possibility, we asked Sue to record just how confident she felt about her guesses before she answered the phone. She did this in a total of 134 videotape trials and registered three grades of confidence. Confident, not very confident, and just guessing. She was most successful when she felt confident with a hit rate of 85%. Hmm. When she was not very confident, her success rate was only 34%. And when she said she was just guessing, her success rate of 28% was not significantly above the chance level of 25%. So she recognized her own ability at some level. Yes. Yes. She could tell when it was actually working. Right. Isn't that wild? And then this is interesting too. It says, because then they did a, a, a like precognition one. So you would guess before the person was randomly chosen, you know, to see is precognition involved. And he said, so they came out with 
Uh, and this was one of three people, so you'd expect a 33% hit rate. With telephone calls, there were 240 hits out of 722 trials, or 33.2%. With SMS messages, 110 out of 339, or 32.4%. These figures were not significantly different from the chance level of 33.3%, indicating that no detectable precognition was occurring under these conditions. This suggests that the results of the telepathy test described in this chapter were indeed a result of telepathy rather than precognition. So that's fascinating, because... It's like, if it's all random, you'd expect the precognition to work the same as telepathy, but it doesn't. You go precognition, it drops to chance. Like, those were chance within the margin of error. You go with telepathy, and then you go with a Sue who's good at it, and then you go with, is she confident? Like, 85%. Yeah. That's wild. I wonder what you're at. (laughs) I don't know. You know, like, nobody calls me, so. (laughs) But, But isn't it, like, so... The takeaway from all of this isn't to say, you know, you're psychic in the way that you would see in movies or in a TV. It is to say that there's something else going on. Like what we've labeled as telepathy, what we've labeled as psychic phenomenon is something that exists in a concrete way. What that means exactly, I think, is an unknown. But the way that we're going to figure that out, the way we're going to explore more about it, is by opening ourselves up to that as a possibility. This isn't supernatural, always, which I'm not disallowing for the possibility of the Holy Spirit or demons on the other side, if you, you know, if we want to play that game. I'm not ruling out the supernatural as a category to think in. But what I am saying is that within the bounds of the non-supernatural, just the natural world— Telepathy exists, and it's something a lot of us have experienced. It's something you've probably experienced. You know, open your mind up to it, literally. <laughs> you know, this is part of the human experience, and I think that it's a, it's a prime example of the way science has, in so many ways, failed us in its duty and instead become a limiting factor uh, on us as humans. Believe in the possible, that's what I say. Well done. There it is, listeners. Cookie Cupid. Do you the, feel that, that arrow from Cupid sticking in you? That's somebody staring at you. Yeah, I would want, I guess as a closing here, I would challenge listeners. Next time you're at church, I'm going to be doing this. Yeah, Just pick staring. somebody random at church you don't know. Well, or, or that you do know. I guess maybe practice on somebody that you feel a connection with and somebody you don't and see if there's a big difference. Right. And just see if they can, if they turn around, do they twitch, do they do anything? Yeah. Yeah. That's Practice my... those latent powers. All right, know. listeners, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben DeVono. And we're the Sapphire Christians signing off. Right, goodbye. Before I show the sound, I just got to know, do you think we're going to do the Bermuda Triangle? Maybe that would be for Kooky D. Mayo. All right. There it is, listeners. Come back in May. So since you, you're the one who wants the... <laughs> Bermuda Triangle. I'll have to do some research also. Goodbye. Goodbye.